You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Mark 5, 1 through 20 says this. They went across the lake to the region of, can you guys say that word? I can't either. It's so hard. Okay. Um, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. So he lived in a graveyard. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied. Somebody say Legion. A little bit more evil, Legion. For we are many. And he begged Jesus, and again, not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending to the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people that what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, that's 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all of the people were amazed. Somebody say amazed. Jesus was on a mission to save mankind. And he made a decision to cross an entire body of water, to walk into a graveyard, to save, to set free one tormented man. It got me thinking, this same Jesus that would cross a body of water, walk into a graveyard to free a man, is the same Jesus who wants to walk into the graveyard of our life to set us completely and totally free. Jesus will stop at nothing. He comes to us and he wants to see us completely and totally set free. See, we're in a series right now with the weekend that changed everything, where Jesus died on a cross and rose again on the third day, resurrection power that will shift and change our lives forever. The title of my message today is called The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. And 
The reason I titled this message that was because when I was preparing for this message, I felt God show me a picture. And I saw this picture of Jesus in heaven. And he wasn't looking down on mankind so as to condemn man. He wasn't looking down on mankind uh, to smite, you know, people. But I did see this perplexed look on Jesus' face as if to say, why are they walking like that? Why are they talking like that? Why are they acting like that? Have they not realized that I didn't just die, but that I rose again? Are they living as if I only died? And I began to think that there are some areas in our life that can wind up maybe not like a physical graveyard, but on the inside of us, there could be a graveyard of things that have hurt us, of things that have pained us, of things that have ailed us. And it's become like a graveyard in our life. But I'm here today because Jesus is wanting to set us free. You kind of think about it like a zombie apocalypse. And I don't know if people have seen, like, you know, the zombie movies. They're disgusting, gory, and gross, and I don't recommend them. However, they're so gross, these these zombies. I was thinking about that, like people walking around like the walking dead, like zombies. Zombies walk around dazed and confused. They are in survival mode. In fact, the only way they try to satisfy the hunger on the inside of them is through people. They literally are going after people to try to satisfy the hunger, the desire that's insatiable on the inside of them. And it got me thinking, do we try to use people? Do we try, do we do the same thing instead of getting every single thing that we need from Jesus himself? Because he doesn't want us to live in a zombie apocalypse. He didn't, he didn't die and resurrect so that we could live in a graveyard state dazed and confused and surviving when he died that we would be free and liberated in every single way. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? We feel like we've been trapped, like something in our history or our past or even our present. It's like these stories that play over and over again on the inside of us. Or we have these tormenting thoughts on the inside of us and we feel like we're trapped inside of a thought, trapped inside of our past, trapped in these things. I can relate to the sense of feeling trapped. When I was seven years old, my parents set my sister and I um, on a little trip from New York to Phoenix, Arizona, and they put us on a plane by ourselves, and I'm like thinking about that now, like, wow, wow, parents, it's a lot of trust in a seven and an eight-year-old to fly across the country, but nevertheless, they had this trust in us, and so my sister and I were there. We had a flight attendant that was kind of, you know, keeping an eye out for us, and during the flight, I had to go to the restroom, so I went into the bathroom, and then when I tried to get out of the bathroom, I was trapped. I couldn't get out. So at seven years old, I remember trying to figure out every single way to get out of this bathroom. And every time I saw like the, the, the lock, right, um, I would go ahead and try to unlatch it. But instead of the door opening, the light would shut off. So I thought it was the light switch. So I thought there was no way out. And I began to like get panicky. And so finally, in the end of the end, I'm on the bathroom floor crying. And finally, a flight attendant notices I've been gone for a while. 
and comes to the door. And she begins to try to explain to me how to get out. But see, I've never heard the voice of this woman. I didn't know who she was. I was already in a panicked state. So I, 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 that, that didn't make sense to me. So I was crying all the more. And then she did something smart. She went and got my sister. Now, my sister is all of 11 months older than me. My beautiful sister comes, and as soon as she got there, she said, Stacy, it's your sister, Deanna. And as soon as I heard her voice, I knew that voice. I could trust that voice. And she said to me, Stacy, I'm going to get you out. Listen to me. And she said, that light that shuts off, it's the lock. She goes, turn the light off and push the door, and you'll get out. So I did exactly what she said and up opened the door to safety. But how many of us live like that? We live trapped and yet the door is actually the access point, the lock, we can actually open. We have been given the key to the lock. We have been given the keys to the kingdom and we can walk right on out. But some of us live trapped as if that lock is not there. If if that door opening is not there and we stay trapped to what is completely free. And how good is God that not only did he die and rise again, but he sent us the Holy Spirit. So just like that voice in my sister that I could trust, we have a voice that is speaking to us 24-7. If we received Jesus into our lives, we also received the Holy Spirit. And with that beautiful voice will lead us out of all kinds of trouble. The Bible says this in Matthew 16, 19. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Mark 10, 1 says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, somebody say power, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We have authority in the name of Jesus that we can exercise. We have authority and we have access to everything that Jesus died for inside of Jesus. The first point that I have is this today. Use power on the devil and on evil, not on people. Use power on the devil and on evil, not on people. See, once we find that door and we realize that we have the key to open it, then we have to exercise our authority over the darkness that plagues us. Jesus, when he went to the demoniac, he went there and he was able to say in all authority and who he was in Jesus to have those devils flee and for this man to be completely set free. Do you know that when he died and rose again, he gave us that same authority? through the power of Jesus. And here's the thing about that kind of authority. That kind of authority means that that's not coming from our flesh. It's not coming from a human place. So me, Stacy, I can't set a person free, but I can through the authority and the power of Jesus that's on the inside of me. So if you think about like a police officer, A police officer has a badge, and when he comes and tells you to do something, you do it. 
He doesn't have to convince you of who he is. He doesn't have to convince you of his authority. No, by the nature of having a uniform and a badge, he has been given the authority. That, folks, is you and I. Jesus has given us a badge. He's given us his authority so that when we stand before evil, we can tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. And it has to obey because we have authority in Jesus. Now, what I love about that is that means that this authority transcends personality. So sometimes people think, oh, well, only the pastor can do that. Only somebody that's a super gregarious extrovert person can tell a devil to flee. That's not actually true. We have, you know, you can have the most beautiful person with the most angelic voice, Gladys Batiste, who can in her beautiful, sweet self tell a legion of demons to leave, and it has to obey in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of authority that we carry. And we can exercise this authority over the devils, but not over the person. So we can't confuse those things. We love the person. Yes, there is real evil in the world. There's consequences to sin. There's things that people grapple with. But we are to have grace and to love the person. Not the evil that is happening, maybe. And it doesn't mean that we pretend that that evil doesn't exist. No, there is a way to exercise authority over it. But we have to remember our love and our care for one another. I, for me, one thing that helps me when I realize I start to get a little bit like, oh, maybe my grace or my love for a person or people, the one thing I can do really quickly to bring that back is to find out their story. What happened to that person? How did they grow up? When I understand a little bit of the backstory, oh, there's an empathy that rises up on the inside of me. There's a care and a love because I can, I can begin to understand maybe why they're in the, 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 the situation that they are in. How many people like Hugh Jackman? He's awesome. Hugh Jackman said this and it caught my attention and I agree with him. Hugh Jackman said, you have to feel something to fix it. To really change the world, you have to feel it. I actually agree with that statement. I think that in today's world, sometimes the thing called empathy can walk out the door real quick. And empathy is this, the ability to share someone else's feelings or experiences by imagining what it would be like to be in that person's situation. That's more than sympathy. Sympathy is there, there. But empathy actually says, no, I'm going to take some personal responsibility to understand the feelings of another human being. And I might not have walked that walk, and I might not have gone through what they have gone through, but I can empathize with the reality that is their current world. And if I can do that, then there is an ability for me to help them walk out their freedom, to shine, to allow Jesus into that situation so that they can be totally free. See, the opposite of empathy is called cruelty. The, the definition of the, of the opposite or the synonym of empathy is cruel, coldness, detachment, hatred, or atrocity. If we don't care for one another, in fact, if we don't train children and teenagers to have this thing called empathy one for another, then we can grow up in a very cold, detached, cruel world. And it kind of got me thinking 
because I was having a hard time kind of grappling with some of the things that are happening in our world today. And I began to think about like, how could we get to this place? How could we get to what some things look like an apocalypse or a horror story? How has this happened? And I honestly began to think about abortion. And believe you me, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, and I have no condemnation and no judgment for people that have had to make that decision or have made that decision. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about what can happen when we begin to lose empathy and we become detached and cold on the inside of us. See, because I began to think, what about the people? Like that movie Unplanned just came out not too long ago, and um, and, and I thought it's a good thing because it helps us begin to understand. But I just begin to think, how could a nurse, how could a doctor that performs the very first abortion, how could they do it again? Because that very first time, they would know what's happening to the baby. How could that happen again? And I thought, for this very reason, somewhere along the line, there was coldness that came into the heart. There was a detachment from the feelings of humanity that would allow a person to react in such a way. And again, no condemnation on the doctor or on the nurse. They have not yet encountered the love of Jesus that consumes us, that helps us, that empowers us. They are not yet there yet, so I do not condemn them. I actually understand them. But I began to think that is why we as a church, we have to understand, we've got to learn how to teach ourselves, our children, our teenagers, how to have empathy so that we actually love and care for one another and can bring the love of Jesus Christ to every single person. I thank God that I am part of C3 Church, a liberation, a freedom, a loving church that so loves people that we're even willing to talk about some of these hard topics to see them completely and totally set free. All right, number two, are you there with me? Okay, we are empowered to make good choices. We are empowered to make good choices. See, I have to say that because when I'm preaching a message like this, sometimes we can think, well, it's, everything's a devil. Everything's a demon. That happened, that's a demon. Uh, no, like we do actually have free will. And we can make really good choices. Now, I totally get it. It's not actually hard to kind of, you know, come to this, you know, way of thinking. Um, but how many people know? Like it's, we do have to learn how to make some good choices in our life. And not everything is a demon or, or a devil. Um, I, you know, my own life, my own story, you know, I can wake up in the morning and I wake up and I hate the world because I have not made the one second decision to love the world yet. And so you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You're kind of in a mood. This is just me. I'm telling my story. Don't worry. And so I'm kind of in a mood. And then I'm like, you know what? I just need to put on my music, my little playlist. I'll start to feel better. And so I put on and all of a sudden, you know, it's not my favorite song, Christian gospel. Okay. It's not. And I'm like, oh really great. You know what this situation needs? Some coffee. And so I'm like, you know what? Coffee's going to make this better. So I get up and I go get my coffee. And instead of my coffee being there, I've run out of coffee. Somebody say the devil. And so I'm like, wow, now there's no coffee. 
And then I'm thinking about my day and I realize all the different things that I have to do to that day. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this appointment and that appointment. I really should, you know, wash my hair today. And it's not my day to wash my hair. Girls, can I get an amen? Guys, I don't know what that situation is for you. So you can insert your story there. I'm like, that changes everything. That adds some time onto my day. And now I do that. And then I'm like, okay, because I took all of those minutes to get my hair washed, I'm like, I don't have time to get breakfast. So now I'm hangry. And I jump in my car without caffeine, hangry. And I get into my car. And as I drive off, my car runs out of gas. This actually happened to me. So I get out of my car, and I literally had stopped, like, right as you exit the freeway. Like, the worst place to run out of gas. All the other cars are coming up over the hill onto the exit, and there's me. Can't do anything. And, you know, praise God, there were some beautiful people that jumped out real quick, and they helped move my car to the side of the road and um, in a place where, you know, I wouldn't hurt everyone around me. And then it's so funny because they're like trying to figure out all these reasons why my car had stopped. And I'm like, no, no, I have run out of gas. (laughs) See, because I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to get gas. That is not a demon. That is a poor choice. I chose to not buy the coffee. Not a demon. Poor choice. I chose to take some extra time. My choice. I chose to not put gas in my car. See, I'm the person that lets the needle go to the very end and then some. Because I'm like, come on, car. You got it in you. You can do this. Yeah. Only to run out of gas. And then I have to convince the people that I actually know the problem to the situation. Embarrassing. Guys, that's a series of poor choices. There's not enough demons to actually mess with every single one of those things. I think sometimes as we think it's, oh, that's a demon. No, no. They're like, no, no, that's just you. (laughs) Demon doesn't even have to mess with us. We got that taken care of. (laughs) It'd be so much easier if I could cast that demon out of me of no gas. But instead, I just have to learn how to make good choices. I have to exercise to build strong muscles, so I've been told. Some of you caught that. 10 a.m. really caught that one. That means I have to work out, which maybe I do sometimes and sometimes not. Anyways, to exercise, if we exercise, we will build a stronger muscle. It's the same with our character. The more we make good choices, the stronger our character can become. Now, the beautiful thing of Jesus is that we've got the Holy Spirit empowering us to make good choices. All we have to do is lean into that voice to then go, okay, I'm going to make a good choice and a good decision. That's character. The Bible says this in Galatians 5, to 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What does that mean? Why would Jesus put those beautiful gifts inside of the Bible and inside of us via the Holy Spirit if we didn't need to use them? We have the gift of patience because guess what? Sometimes we're not patient. We have the gift of self-control because sometimes everything has gone out of control. That's not a demon. That's us exercising our will to make a good choice. 
The Bible says this, John 14, 15 through 17, if you love me, obey my commandments. The message version says, if you love me, show it, show it by doing what I've told you. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And then in John 14, 26, it says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. We are the beneficiaries of Jesus who died on a cross, rose again, and then sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to make good choices. And the thing is, I, um, you know, I think about to the, the, demoniac, you know, the man that was tormented by so many oppressive spirits. And I even think, wow, even he chose to exercise his own will in a situation where it wasn't just maybe his poor choices, but through some of those choices, there was some activity, some evil spirits that were tormenting him. But interesting that the Bible says that when those devils were cast out of that man, those tormenting spirits were taken out of that man, the, the Bible says it went into the pigs and the pigs ran over the hill and drowned themselves. That, my friends, to me, meant, oh my goodness, could it be that this man had suicidal spirits speaking to him, and yet he chose to exercise his will to not give in to those spirits? And the moment that the Bible says Jesus was coming, he saw him from a far distance and he ran and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. You guys, no matter what we are entangled in, no matter what kind of tormenting spirit is messing with our minds, our lives, our hearts, we have an opportunity to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus to the person who can do, to the God who can do something about it. In the name of Jesus, we can be totally and completely set free. My third point is this. What was dead, God can resurrect. What was dead, God can resurrect. I think sometimes when we look at the, own, our, the, the state of our own heart, and we maybe start to find some areas in our life where we have become maybe cold or detached or through areas of real pain or real trauma. It's not that we pretend that those things didn't happen. Real things do happen to us. But if we find ourselves in that place where, oh my goodness, there's, there's a graveyard in, in part of my life and part of my heart. Um, I think sometimes we can get there because we self-sabotage. We begin to condemn ourselves. We begin to replay the story of sin over and over and over in our lives when instead Jesus has told us that he remembers if we confess our sins before him and we ask for forgiveness, he remembers our sin no more. And yet we're there self-condemning ourselves. Friends, Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to transform us. Jeremiah 31.4, God says to the Israelites that he will remember their sins no more. In Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus was crucified on the cross so that we could stop crucifying ourselves. Jesus was crucified on the cross so that we could stop crucifying ourselves. Sometimes we look at the past, we look at even the present, some situations that are going on in our life, and we start to replay and relive those things. My, 
mom always, she told us the story about how when we first moved to the mission field from New York to Ecuador, when I was 11 years old, we moved there and we had to learn an entirely new language. Not one of us spoke one word of Spanish. And we had to learn an entirely new language. We had to learn an entirely new culture. Uh, a new people group, a new way of life. And so the first couple years were really difficult as we began to learn something that was not, you know, not our normal. And um, we had one trip back to the U.S. and we were just having a bit of reprieve and visiting family. And my mom said that she walked into the dining room of my grandmother's home. And when we had left New York, we sold everything or gave away a lot of things. And one of those things that we had given away was um, the din our dining room table. And this particular dining room table was special to my mom because it was the first kind of big piece of furniture they had bought when they started to to do well financially. And then they gave that dining room table away to my grandparents. So she says she was just standing there and she was just looking at the dining room table and she began to just think back on easier times. Think back before we had ever moved to another nation to minister and help another community. And she just began to kind of think back about how easy and she found herself stroking the table, <laughs> caressing the table, if you will. And as she did that, all of a sudden she heard a word from the Lord and, she, and then she, the Lord said this, dare you be like Lot's wife and looks back, I am bringing you forward. Your future, your destiny, everything that I have called you for, it's in another part of the world. Stop looking back. Stop looking at what once was or what it could have been. Start looking to the future. For all of us, it's time for us to let some things go. To allow Jesus to come to our graveyard. To minister deep on the inside of us. His healing anointing to set us free from every and any ailment. When we give Jesus the opportunity to do that, we have an opportunity to be totally and completely set free. How good is God? What a wonderful God we have that is so willing and wanting to come to us. If he came to a man that had tormenting thoughts, one man, he, he, he went over a whole body of water to reach out to the one man. Of course he would reach out to us. I already feel his presence in this place. God is so good. He wants us healed and be completely set free. My last point is this, number four. Live your story and tell everyone about it. Live your story and tell everyone about it. See, God is so good because He uses the worst that has happened in our life against the devil to bring glory, to set people free. The worst of the worst of things that have happened to us, God can actually, the Bible says He can turn those things around. How good is God? and use them against what the devil tried to take us out with and instead bring healing and salvation and reconciliation, not only to us, but to those that surround us. See, I came to that conclusion because I realized in the story of the demoniac that when he got totally set free, remember how I said, the Bible said that he was completely free. He was in his sound mind, fully clothed. He. He asked Jesus a question. He said, can I come with you? And Jesus told him no. 
Jesus told him to go and to tell his story. He said, he said, go tell your story. Tell of the mercy that I have had on you. Go talk to this 10 cities, to the Decapolis. And it wasn't that Jesus wasn't saying, follow me. He was, but he was saying, and now go tell your story to everyone that surrounds you. I think for us, sometimes we do have that moment where we get saved, where we get totally set free, where we have an encounter with truth or with healing. And that story, that pain that used to be has now been sealed up by the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. But what can happen sometimes is we'll keep it to ourselves. And Jesus is going, no, no, go out. Go out and tell your story. We have a place like this, the church. We get to come together week in and week out. We, need, we can share with believers, but there comes a point in our life where it's time to tell the story. It's time to tell the story of liberation. It's time to tell the story of freedom. It's time to tell the story of healing that has happened in our lives and in our hearts. God is so present. He doesn't want us walking around like the walking dead when he's made a way for us to live fully alive. It's time for us to all live fully alive. If you agree with that, can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Let's have, I'm gonna have everybody just stand to your feet, if you will. It says this in John 10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Church, right now, we have a moment and I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come forward right now and I want us to do this and we're gonna have an opportunity to come forward and to Allow God to minister to us. If there are some areas of our hearts that have grown cold, or there's some areas of our hearts that if we were honest, we're like, oh, that's a tombstone. That's been buried, but God shined a light on it. Or some of us were like, oh my goodness, I didn't know. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit speaks and ministers to us, that He is with us even to the end of the ages, the Bible says. And we want an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We can do that this morning. And I want us to do something else, whether it's here or later on in your day, maybe just make an appointment with, your, with yourself to assess the state of your own heart. I think it's good sometimes just to step away and assess what is happening in my heart. Have I grown cold? Have things began to eat away at me that I need to submit to the foot of Jesus? I believe he's here now, he'll be here then to minister to us. So I want everybody just to close your eyes and I'm gonna pray a, a prayer over each and every one of us, a prayer of liberation, a prayer of freedom. And then if you're in that place where something has snagged you and it's for the first time or the thousandth time, just come forward and allow God to minister to you where you are at today. God, oh God, Lord, I thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, I thank you right now that your hand is upon them, that you love them, that you died on a cross because you so loved us. Lord, I thank you that you are at work in this place right now. I thank you that you are ministering to each and every one of our hearts. And I speak right now liberation and freedom over every single heart and mind. Lord, I thank you that right now, God, I break off and I bind every tormenting spirit that would seek to plague us in the name 
name of Jesus. I speak to you, you evil spirits of darkness, of insecurity, of fear, of suicidal thoughts. I bind and I break your power in the name of Jesus to take authority over every unclean and evil thing. And we say leave in the name of Jesus. God, right now I thank you for your power. I thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. I thank you that you are love and peace and you've given each and every one of us a sound mind. I thank you that there is comfort and that there is rest in you, Jesus. So Lord, I thank you now for just releasing your spirit upon us. We receive of you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. We thank you that we get to live fully alive in you in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.